Thank you for listening to Preaching the Word with Nathan Deitch. Thank you again for joining me on the mysteries of God's Word. Today we're going to be looking at chapter 11, focusing on the Tower of Babel, and then we'll be wrapping up with the messianic lineage of Shem's descendants, and finally looking a little bit closer at Abram's family, starting with his father Terah, and where Abram was from. Now, starting at verse 1 of chapter 11, Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. So the timing of this, where it says, Now the whole earth, included all the people from the genealogy in chapter 10. However, it was during the lifespan of Peleg, Perhaps better said, it was when Peleg was an adult, as well as his brother Joktan. And his brother Joktan had already had several children when the Tower of Babel event occurred. We also learned that the whole earth had one language. So there was only one language that existed prior to the flood and immediately after the flood. It was the language God had given Adam and Eve when he made them. All the people of the earth came from the sons of Noah at this time, and everyone still spoke the same language. And we learned that they found a plain. So this is very likely the Mesopotamian plain, which is a low, wide plain. The land of Shinar is known as a plain in the lower Euphrates-Tigris River system. It is part of the Mesopotamian plain. Today, we would recognize it as being from modern Baghdad to the Persian Gulf. This is the area where the location of Nimrod's kingdom would be built. The name Shinar continued to be used by the descendants of Abraham, and we see it in Genesis and Daniel, in Isaiah and in Zechariah. Early church fathers gave testimony that Babylon was built on the same location as Babel. Picking up in verse 3, And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had bricks for stone and bitumen for mortar. Now symbolically, using burnt brick rather than stone showed that man was trusting in his own innovation rather than trusting in the Creator God. It shows man making every brick identical rather than using the diverse and unique stones created by God. It also represents how godless governments can put people into a box, rather than allowing them to be who God made them to be. And it shows how without trusting in God's unique design, man creates a box where everybody looks identical, rather than recognizing each person's intrinsic and diverse beauty. While this symbolism shows us what happens when man turns from God's created order to trusting in man's rigid ingenuity, it wasn't actually the making of the city or the tower that was sinful. 
Rather, it was the pride of the people. In verse 4, Then they said, Come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So we see the people of Babel, who are led by the mighty warrior Nimrod, wanted to make a name for themselves. They wanted to build a lasting memorial and legacy that would last on the earth in their name. In contrast to the holy city of Jerusalem that was built in the name of Yahweh and was made great by the power of God, the downfall of Babel was the pride of these people that led them to turn from God to try and make their own name great. It's what we might call a secular society that turned away from God. And finally, we see that they said, lest we be dispersed. God had told them to be fruitful and cover the earth. So they're being defiant in their plans against the command of God to spread across the earth and multiply. And in verse 5, we read, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. This phrase that says, And the Lord came down. It seems to be characteristic of those first 2,000 years of Earth's history, before the flood and now shortly after the flood, even up to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The presence of the Lord walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he continued to walk with man during certain specific events during those first 2,000 years. Here we see the Lord come down to examine the evidence of the city before decreeing his judgment. And the Lord said, Behold, there are only one people. They all have one language, and nothing they propose to do will be impossible. Ultimately, this is the message of secular humanism, to unite as one people of the world for the sake of human achievement that man can, through his own effort and without obedience to God, create peace and prosperity. We see this message in American politics, in the Masonic Lodge, even in popular pop songs like We Are the World. This idea to unite all people for the sake of building an earthly kingdom that will create an earthly prosperity and peace for all, will be the message of the Antichrist. And in verse 7, God says, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So God says, Let us confuse their language. The text is clear here, that this confusion of languages is happening instantaneously 
through a supernatural act of God. The confusion was the cause for the dispersion of mankind. The Hebrew word indicates that the confusion was in the lip. The original language that they spoke was broken up into different dialects. We can only speculate to what degree this confusion or split occurred. However, it did not cause the destruction of humanity, but rather the dispersion of it. This leads us to conclude that some people were given the same dialects and left together to form new communities. Finally, we can conclude that the languages of the world today came from a form of these different languages that were given at the Tower of Babel. And in verse 8, we read, So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. Again, we see specifically that it was the Lord that dispersed them. God forced the people to be separated according to their languages. It was from these that the nations of the earth were formed. And the text tells us they left off building the city. The city of Babel was abandoned as a lost cause once God confused the languages. Therefore, its name was called Babel. So Babel was the first major city undertaken in rebellion to God by Noah's descendants. This was led by Nimrod, and it was set in the land of Shinar, or the Mesopotamian plains. The city and its great tower were never finished as God confused all of the languages and dispersed the descendants of Noah, forming the nations we today see from the children of Noah. Now let's quickly look at the messianic lineage that came through Shem to Abram. Rather than touch on each child in the genealogy, I'll simply mention that we can recognize in this genealogy the lifespan of man sharply on the decline after the flood. For example, Shem's lifespan was approximately two-thirds that of his father Noah. Arphaxad's lifespan was approximately two-thirds that of his father Shem. We do see a couple of plateaus in lifespan during this genealogy, but overall, there's a sharp decline that is occurring through this genealogy down to Abram. In verse 27, it picks up and talks a little bit more in detail about Abram's family. We learn about Terah, who was Abram's father, Nahor, who was one of Abram's brothers, and also the grandfather of Rebekah, whom Isaac married. We also learn that Abram came from the city of Ur in the land of the Chaldeans. Chaldeans were a group of people that lived in the southeastern Mesopotamian area. In particular, they lived in the areas around Babel. Ur was thought to be just a little over a hundred miles southeast of Babylon, just south of the Euphrates River. In fact, later in scripture, 
we would recognize King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon as a Chaldean. And today we would recognize this area to be the middle of Iraq. And finally, we learn that Terah took Abram, his wife Sarai, and his nephew Lot, and they traveled toward the land of Canaan, what would be known as the Promised Land. But when they came to Haran, which is actually a place in southeastern Turkey today, they settled there. And that's where we're going to find Abram next week. Join me, and God bless you this week. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understandings. Mm -hmm.